Coming up on today's episode, the best team in hockey picks up a win in Winnipeg. We talk for, oh, no, wait, no. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at the Jets' streak-ending loss to Philly, plus deadline prices for a pair of intriguing centermen. All right, hope you guys had a great weekend, ready to get back at it, ready to kick off a new win streak as well as the Jets' eight-game run came to an end Saturday night at the hands of the Flyers in Winnipeg, so we'll break that one down. Kind of a light, you know, nice the schedule eases up a little bit for the Jets here. We got a Tuesday nighter and then a little bit of time, a few more games, the All-Star break, some good news on the injury front as well. All in all, not too bad. Hey, look, all, all good things have to come to an end, and you can't start a new win streak without ending a previous one first. So just look at it that way. It's just a little speed bump. We'll get right back up to six, seven, maybe eight in a row again. Uh, but, yeah, we'll talk about the game Saturday and then take uh, maybe our first look at the trade deadline, an interesting report about what the cost might be. Let's hope it's not so, according to this report. Anyway, to break it down with me once again, CJOB's Tyson Ruicki is here with me. How we doing, Tice? How was the weekend? The weekend was good. It was great, actually, especially that Saturday night. What a what a game of hockey, regardless of who you were cheering for, but especially if you're cheering for the team in orange. Yeah, we'll be nice. There, there, there'll be no rubbing it in or anything like that. But yeah, I, I was, I was, you were working the game. I was. I was doing work at the game, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I had a good time down there. It, it, it's a lot of fun at the Jets games. Um, there's been a market improvement on the uh, the game day experience, no doubt. And I mean, yeah, the, the place was ready to go, uh, but unfortunately, just didn't just never seemed to go the Jets' way in that one against Philly. Hey, like it was yeah. just, and it's interesting too because both teams kind of came in in similar fashion you know albeit the jets obviously on the heels of a massive win streak but both teams kind of banged up their best players not in the game a ton of hockey prior to it a ton of hockey leading up to it. It, it 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 did feel for for large parts of the game like two teams that were just like please god give us a break like just just give us four or five days off um and some great goaltending as well at, at, at both ends there, specifically Urson, though, as the as the game went on. No real answers for the Jets, but, I mean, no Shifley, no Connor, and Nick Ehlers not at 100%. Maybe not the biggest surprise in the world that the Winnipeg Jets couldn't muster a, a ton of offense, couldn't get that first goal. I'll tell you what, as a Flyers fan, Tice, it sure felt like Ooh, if they get that first one, the second one's going to be right after it. So it was very good they didn't from a Philly perspective. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I thought both clubs were kind of tired and, and a little bit beat up as the game went on there. And there just wasn't um, – it j- j- just felt to me like overall it just wasn't going to be the Jets' night in that one. Yeah, and it, it, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Like, and especially, you mentioned Ehlers too. Like, I, I thought that he was going to have a real big impact in that game because the Flyers play that zone defense in their own end, like you kind of need a zone buster that can come in and kind of get the, get the defense just scattering, but uh, just, and there was some chances, you know, when he was coming off the sidewall missed on them. Those are the ones that, where you kind of need Elis to pot one in there, but 
I mean, if you're you're kind of taking or having qualms about a game and you lose after going on a long winning streak, and then you the game that you lose though is because you don't have Shifley or Connor, and the team that you played against arguably played the best game that anyone's played against you this year besides maybe yeah. Vegas, right? Like they, like, honestly, I don't think there's been a team this year that's played the jets as hard as the flyers did. And I'm not just saying that because we're flyers fans, right? Like that was that one, a lot of people were, were saying like, Oh, they're like the, they're in tough. Like it's yeah. just, that's the way, like it's a torts team. It's, it's tough to break down a torts team. Yeah. And too, like you, that, that game, there was a lot of tension in that game. It didn't. It didn't end up amounting into anything. But you know, like if Brandon Dillon lands lands that hit on Frost open ice, that game is going to turn to a complete <laughs> cluster. You know what? Yeah, like, that game is going off the rails immediately because uh, you know, yeah, guys like Hathaway's poking the bear, keeps on poking, and I mean, I I was a fan of the Flyers before Hathaway was on the team. So I know what it's like to hate Hathaway, but <laughs> like it's it's those got he's just that guy where he's just gonna piss you off all game, and there's nothing you can do about it. But it, like it was for a two nothing game too. It, it was very entertaining. There was there was chances on both sides. Like it was it wasn't like a Islanders two nothing game where it's just the puck barely leaves the neutral zone all game. Like there was there were sustained chances, and like you mentioned too. In the third period, if the Jets score there, I think that things get a lot more interesting. But it, it would, it, I guarantee you, it would have been the Chicago game all over again. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> like, but Erickson just stood, stood tall. That was like the difference there. And it also, I'm going to give a little gambling advice. Oh, okay. And better uh, responsibly, but with Connor Bedard <laughs> out. Yeah, we're not. But with Connor Bedard out, keep an eye on Sam Erickson for some Calder consideration. I think a lot, I think, I think a lot of people kind of forget that he's eligible because he played last year, but I mean, especially this year, besides Bedard, none of the guys have really stood out great. Ben Tilly's had his moments, but Pascal Vincent just is like, I don't want to play you. You're too good. <laughs> <laughs> you're hurting, you're hurting the take, man. Get back to the bench. <laughs> but and just getting back to Saturday's game, like you, you got to lose sometime, and if you're losing games where you played a pretty solid game, and what has the other team just played better, like hey, sometimes it happens. Like that's just that's the way it goes. And they were both on a long road stretch too. I believe they played the same amount of games in the same amount of nights. That in that stretch leading up, I think it was nine and nine and twenty, I believe, or something something like that. But like it's it's a long. This is the stretch where. Season starts that the game start to build up a little bit go, going into the All Star Week. This is you get through this now, and it sounds like I mean we'll get into a little bit, but it sounds like Shifley and Connor are going to be back sooner rather than later. So you're going to get that boost there. I think things everything's going to be fine. <laughs> everything's going to be okay. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm panicking. I'm panicking. <laughs> it's <laughs> I mean that 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 is kind of the the takeaway I think from. I mean, even just going back to the the Jets' last couple of losses here, right? I mean, you have to scroll back a ways to to see their last. But like, so they lost the OT one in Chicago. Mrazek steals two points. I, I mean, the Jets should have probably potted in like four, five, six goals in that game, right? You lose that one. Maybe the Montreal one was like the last. But they didn't even play that bad against Montreal, right? I mean, maybe San Jose, December twelfth, two one. But like, what's pretty wild about the Jets? 
like even their losses are pretty good. Like they just don't, they don't really have too many off nights. They haven't had many off nights. I, I mean, probably you'd have to go back to one of the Vegas games. Um, right. And that's, that's a long time ago at this point, the jets are just really, really consistent. And yeah, I kind of like what you said there. Like if you're, if an off night for you is, you know, a team basically scraping by and holding on for, for dear life to get the two points. That's it's a pretty good spot to be in. The crappiest part about the loss, Tyson, is that your eight-game win streak allowed you to gain zero points on the Colorado Avalanche in the last 10 games. Super cool. Eight one and one for both teams. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, I mean, there's a, a little bit of distance now over over Dallas, only five points right now. There's a mountain ahead of fourth place Nashville so I mean top three is I mean if Nashville's in fourth good god top three is in the bag right now always knew they're a playoff team yeah but that that just sucks that's the only crappy part about it is like yeah the, the, if the Jets want to grab first in the division like what six three and one in in every 10 game stretch basically over the next half of the season there just can't be too many off nights because the Avs, after that little, you know, around the 20 game mark, they had a little bit of a swoon. Colorado's scary again. Colorado sucks. Like, in terms of just like, this is not going to be enjoyable down the stretch. So they're, they're getting hammered though lately. Like, they're getting, like, not on the scoreboard, but like injury wise and other reasons as well. Like, we heard about Valentin Hopefully, he gets the help that he deserves. But like that's another big big piece of your forward group that's gone. Like Kanin's on IR still. Like we all know the Landis Cog stuff. Like it, they're getting really hammered by by injuries and and, and other right now too. I mean, everyone is. I, I don't know if there's a healthy team out there right now. Just kind of the 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 way she goes in terms of. I mean, every team I think right now is like let's just get to the All Star break, get to the break, and we'll try to figure something out here. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty impressive injury list or out of the lineup right now for for the Avs. But it's going to be a dogfight, man. It's It sucks. <laughs> it just sucks because avoiding Dallas in round one is kind of like the new goal, basically, for Winnipeg and Colorado. I mean, the, the yeah, just looking at the wild card, too. That's a pretty massive step down in competition. I mean, assuming Edmonton is could have find their way away from that final wildcard spot. Oh man, like getting a Seattle or a Calgary as opposed with Dallas. That's it's, it's, it's going to be, it might be mandatory. I, I just, it would suck to have a good year like this. Then, and then your reward is facing Dallas in round one. That's kind of yeah. my main takeaway. You got to avoid that. But they, even like LA, they could potentially sneak into like a, with their losing streak now. Like could Seattle. you imagine Dubois and the Kings against the Jets in round one. That oh. would be, oh my goodness. We would have a, I mean, we'd have a week of shows dedicated solely to what to chant. I, I, <laughs> so. We'll see. We'll see. There's, we're maybe getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. There's 40 games to go. A lot, lot can change between now and then. Um, good news. Jets have put themselves in a great spot. Bad news. Colorado isn't giving them much leeway right now. So let's uh, hope that the setback to Philly is just a one-off there and a new streak begins. Only a handful of games more to go before the All-Star break. But again, good news, like Tyson said, Shifley, day-to-day, might miss a game or two. But all in all, nothing overly serious. 
Ehlers sort of will give him a day-to-day status as well. But again, nothing too serious there. But the big one, Kyle Connor, back in a regular jersey at Jets practice. Either good for Tuesday. Maybe they just give him a few more days. They don't play till the 20th, which is what, Friday? Friday or Saturday. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, I mean, Connor is on the verge of being back. He's on the first power play at practice. So, I mean, I think they're amping up that he's only going to miss at least or he's only going to miss at most one more game. Um, but I mean, obviously a massive, massive boost for this team. And then some lineup decisions, if everybody's healthy about what to do right now. And it'll be intriguing to see how the Jets go about that. Um, but maybe we'll break that one down once Connor officially gets back into the lineup. You're, you're, you're throwing a finger up. Do we have some news? What's going on? <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to mention that the Jets do play Tuesday as well. And then yeah, Tuesday and then the twentieth, which is Saturday. We'll say Ottawa. Saturday, yeah, <laughs> Ottawa. Get a little, uh, might might have to do some uh, some scouting in that one, Tice. Yeah, no potential kidding. trade deadline additions for the Jets. Yeah, um, especially with uh, which is just wild that the with the hope that they had going into the season, um, sellers for what like the tenth year in a row for Ottawa. Can you can you remember a team that kind of had like that hype? Coming in, like, because, I mean, I, I'm not saying people were picking the sense to win the cup this year. Like, it wasn't consensus. But, like, there was a lot of, there was a lot of hope for this team. <laughs> like, they're, they've, they're like, they, been, they've, like, this is a pretty big face plant. Like, I mean, I, you'd have, to, it's, in the last 10 years, it's up there with, with the rough, rough. Like, even Buffalo is, who I think people had similar high hopes for. Like, at least they're in and around 500, right? Yeah. Like, and Ottawa. For how many years in a row, Ottawa just eliminates themselves in the first like two months of the season. It's crazy. And, um, and on paper, too, I would take Ottawa over over Buffalo like before the season started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people probably would. Um, but we'll see. Might might be. It's always that's not the worst thing in the world to go after a disappointing team in the standings. Try to pluck a uh, a talented player or two that might not have been available. Uh, maybe even one with terms. So Ottawa would be that there's they yeah, the season hasn't gone their way, but there's some guys you wouldn't mind suiting up for the Winnipeg Jets for game one of the playoffs. But that's not where we go in terms of our trade deadline talk today, Tyson. Instead, well, it's a mixture of West and East. But um, for those that haven't checked it out, David Pagnotta of the fourth period brought forth a little bit of news and notes about the upcoming trade deadline, which is only a handful of weeks away here. And a little bit of Winnipeg Jets news pops up in there, specifically two targets. And I think it's names that everybody is familiar with and and probably expecting to be. But the names brought up were Elias Lindholm and Sean Monaghan, maybe a little bit of a surprise out there in Montreal, who has um, one year left on his deal. And a bit of a bounce back for him, all those injuries that he had out there in Calgary. He's performed admirably, we'll say, uh, for the Montreal Canadiens this year. But the price is Tyson. That's always the main thing. It's easy to say, yeah, let's get a Lindholm, let's get a Monaghan. What does it cost you, though? Pretty substantial asks, at the very least, from uh, from Craig Conroy and then uh, Kent Hughes out there in Montreal. Let's start with Lindholm. It's kind I mean... To be fair, it's your traditional high-end trade deadline target ask, right? Your first-round pick, a high-end prospect, and then maybe a young player slash 
third round pay, like some, something along those lines, right? That was the the rumored asking price on Jan 15th from the Calgary Flames for teams interested in Elias Lindholm. If that ends up being the cost, and it might be because there's not a lot of high-end guys available right now, especially up front. If Craig Conroy came to you, Tyson, and said, hey, first-round pick, prospect, and another asset, and you've got yourself a deal, do you make that trade for Elias Lindholm? I would think about it. And the, the, one of the reasons why well, you say, got you, you have you don't have much time, Tyson. I'm on the clock right now. I'm Craig Conroy. I'm a busy guy. I got Hannafin to move. I got other things to do. It's a yes or no. Well, you slow your roll, Craig. I'll make up my mind when I want. But but uh like I think just because that with the amount of teams that needed center, especially one team in the east, the Bruins, who was like Lindholm is just such a perfect fit for that team and what they're looking for right now that I do think that there's going to be a bidding war that kind of ensues because some teams are going to know that, hey, Boston is going to do whatever they can to get him. Can we maybe entice Calgary enough? Now that kind of gives into how much more are you willing to give up to make sure that Boston doesn't get him. A first, a first is going to be a part of the deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's odd. Yeah, yeah. It depends on that prospect level. Like, let's say if Calgary said, hey, we'll give you, a, how about a first in Lucius for Lindholm? I'd jump on that right away. What if it was Rutger McGrordy? No. Okay. It's Same it's with like, Lambert? Yeah, like I get, yeah, I wouldn't include Lambert either. It's that cutoff right there. And, and even Chibrikov is on that edge too. Like, I might not even toss in Chibrikov for Lindholm. I feel like Lucius with his injury concerns and all the stuff that goes into it, I'd be, I, w- I wouldn't be happy to part with him, but you know, you got to give to get in this league. So I wouldn't mind giving up a Lucius, but I'm not going further than that. Honestly, a, fir- a first and Chaz Lucius is your, your, your capited there for, for Lindholm. Yeah. That's my take it or leave it deal. I think, I, I mean, I think that's fair and reasonable. It's all, it's just, it's always so tough, right? Especially if, I mean, the worst part is the other team that would be in for Lindholm outside of Boston and Winnipeg would be Colorado. That's that's tough to you know like to, I, yeah. I know you want to keep as many assets as possible, but if it's first Lucius and they're asking for a third and they're like, hey, Colorado's giving us a third, like you want to do this? I I, I would strengthen yourselves and avoid Colorado from getting better. That's yeah. that's the that's the tough part about the deadline and, and going after guys. But I think ultimately it just it, it comes down for Chevy is just who's my guy and how do we make that happen? And if the price I'm not saying, you know, trade Barlow and McGrory, right? Like it just lose your mind. But you know what? If it's a first and Lucius and a third and people are like, oh, why do you have to give up a third? Well, to get the guy we want, because we've got a the contending team right now. Like that, that's why we go out there and do that. I, I would agree. I, I think I'm I think we're in the same boat there that a first and the best of your B prospects. Yeah. Is it probably where I would draw the line? And anything substantially more than that is it it, it just has to be a non-starter because look. I, I just I personally do not like paying rental prices. 
because I think that you can get guys with term for the same price. And hey, if you can get a guy for another playoff run, then why not go ahead and do that? Um, but I, you know, I, I do wonder a little bit too if there's a lot of a lot of the hype and hoopla around Lindholm is that people think he's the 40 goal scorer from three seasons ago. He's not really that guy. I think he fits in great as your second line center. But then how much are you willing to pay for a second line center? I think that it's got to be, hey, we're getting 65 point Elias Lindholm as opposed to the 40-40 Selkie center that he was a few years ago. That's, I, I just don't think you're getting that guy back here. Yeah, and to like those those marginal assets, I'd say like a third round pick, those are so easy to recoup in the offseason. Like they really are. There's not like in your you're looking at this Jets team and they're like and you kind of start to see that log jam at some positions. Those players you could flip out for third and fourth. So I think if that if that that is kind of the tipping point, if you if you gotta toss in an extra third and a fourth, then so be it. Like it's those moves are so marginal, and when your sole goal is winning the Stanley Cup, if you, do you really want to kick yourself going like, "Oh, we didn't give up an extra fourth round pick, and now we lost in the, in the conference finals, or we lost to Colorado in the semis"? Like, it's you, those are you got to sacrifice in this league, and with the team that they have, and the way that the rest of the league is kind of shaping up right now, I think that you're in that mode where it's, you know, we maybe we will have to pay a little bit more than we would normally, but that's just the price we'll have to pay. Well, if you don't like paying high-end prices for high-end assets, let's talk Sean Monaghan. Obviously a tier down from Elias Lindholm. I, I, think, I think the Canadian are being ridiculous. Their reported ask is a second round pick and a prospect on top of it or for Sean Monaghan. What was that? Or a first. Oh, oh, good. Or a first. (laughs) Whatever works for you guys works for us. Um, Monaghan on pace for a little over half a point a game this season. 45, maybe, maybe 50 points. Playing eighteen minutes and eight, 18 and a half minutes a night as well. I it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if prices got out of control and you had to go bargain shopping to get a Monahan. Man, I a second round pick sounds high to me, Tyson. And we're talking, yeah. you want a second plus? I mean, a first is you just you don't even bother trying to negotiate if a first is going to be the ask, and that's all they're looking for there. I mean, to me, Monaghan would be pretty low. Like that, we're talking plan plan D, plan E, plan F sort of a thing. If things don't work out for the Jets, I'm I'm just not a I'm not a big fan of, and it's just the injuries and everything with it. But like paying decent assets for Sean Monaghan, a pending free agent as well. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, definitely going to pass that second in a prospect. Um, I think a third round pick would be where you'd have some interest on, on my side, but maybe, maybe you're a Monaghan fan and I'm just a hater. I don't know. Monaghan's a great story and he has, and he's been a really good leader for Montreal, but if Chevy calls Ken Hughes up and he says it's a first or a second and a prospect, if I'm Chevy, I'm going, okay, what else are you giving me? What What's this other piece that we're, cause like, and like I said, great story. He seems like a great guy. Sean Monaghan, like he's slow. Like his in, like the injuries have slowed him down a ton, and yeah, he's great in the great on the dot. 
He is capable defensively. I think a little bit gets made too much about his defensive player this year. Like we're, some people are acting like he's a, he's one of the best defensive centers in the league. And like, from what I've seen, he's solid, but it's, is he really that big of an improvement over Vlad and the Mesnikov? No, no, he's, he's no, that would be more of like, um, you know, we're just getting the guy in for some like depth. Like he's not going to, yeah, he, yeah, I would agree with that. That, And and that's, that might be a good way to look at it. Like, do you want to pay an asset that doesn't necessarily improve your second line? Yeah, exactly. If we're, if we're, if we're adding at the deadline, I want like, if we're adding a guy like Lindholm to be our second line center where it's like, Oh, this is, this team has some punch up the middle now. Like they, it's yeah. it's like not pay, just a, pay pay big or pay little. Yeah. Like you know, I, I I could even understand if if Lindholm and the that gets out of control, you know, maybe at that point you. I mean, I I, I don't even know a name to throw out here. Um, you know, paying like a fourth or a fifth round pick for a. Uh, 32 year old centerman that used to be, you know what I mean? And just like getting some depth in there and maybe, you know, you catch lightning in a bottle like you did with Nemesnikov, maybe, maybe like a Nemesnikov type deal. Like that, that's, it's either like give up your first and go crazy or let's just bring in some, some veteran depth in case injuries happen. And we know we can throw somebody in there and and we'll just go with the group that we have. Yeah, no, that's exactly what you have to do. It's, it's where you're paying too high of a price for guys who don't contribute enough to your team. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of some examples from last, but like we all most mid season acquisitions don't really pan out at the deadline. Yeah. Like they don't really like end up changing too much. It's like the guy, but then you see a guy like Barbashev who turns into, I don't even know a prime number one center. And then now this year it's like, Oh, got his bag. And now he's not, not playing as well but banners fly forever exactly like it's, it's those moves you have to make and you the, what you said was perfect like you either go all in or you tinker like those second round picks are still valuable and you can get a valuable player for those second round picks but it's when you're giving up a second round pick for a guy like let's say um like a nick sealer on philly like a, like a bottom one of the bottom pairing defensemen but you're giving up like a third and a fourth and it's like that's just not good asset management. And Chevy's yeah. been really good at that for the most part. Like the Nino trade, the Nemesnikov trade were both great ads. I just want, there's one, there's one other play that was mentioned in that article too, who you and me were advocating for heavily last year at the trade deadline. Well, 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 he might just be available again. Who's that? Jacob Chikrin. Oh, yeah. That, that, is, that is an intriguing one. There's no, I mean... You're still he still has an extra year left. He's not a rental. The Maybe only the only issue is there's no way the Jets could do a chicker and trade without moving one of their six defensemen. Like I, I like gotta that are that are in their top six right now. I have a let's hypothetically Ottawa calls you and they say, Hey, you give us one one of your firsts in the next two seasons. Dylan Sandberg and Logan Stanley, do you say yes? <laughs> that one's tough. And I love I love Dylan Sandberg as much as anyone, but like those are the kind those are the hard questions you have to ask as a GM. Like, do we 
yes, we like Dylan Sandberg and his ability, but if we can get a guy like Jacob Chikrin on our team and we kind of just replace Sandberg with Chikrin for the next two years and then figure out from there. Yeah, the, yeah, that's the only thing that scares me about that is just like, are you confident that you can re-sign him or is it just like, hey, we'll just, we're just going to roll for two years or whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, playoff <sighs> runs. If it was that's one, a- not a chance. I agree with you 100%, but two playoff runs are pretty valuable and giving them that year and a half where, like a guy like Nino, I don't think when Nino came over here originally, guys were like, "Oh yeah, this is a guy that's going to be here for the long haul." But you know, maybe you persuade him. He has a, enjoys the team. He's been moved around a ton. Maybe he just likes the stability. The only yeah, I mean that 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 is a tough one. But I just I, with the way the decor is played this year, I, I think I think I'm just looking solely at how can we fix not fix how can we improve this forward core specifically providing that I, I just think that's got to be the the focus right now is bringing in a secondary offensive piece and then you're kind of set on all of your line like fourth line great third line if it's Lowry and Nino you know they're going to be good together but just giving a big time boost to that second line and not putting everything on you know Cole Perfetti's plate Gabe Velarde right two two guys that really I mean Velarde played a couple playoff games last year but two guys with minimal playoff experience, like to not put everything on their shoulders. I, I just, I think that's got to be the move right now. So I, I think I would say no, but it's, it's an, it's an interesting conversation. It, it's yeah, that you'd have to think long and hard about that one, but I almost too, you know, to an extent Tyson wouldn't mind seeing Hanel and Sandberg get some time together as, yeah. as the third pair specifically because if Hanel can come in and maybe run, be a bit of a power play guy for you like that's a massive i schmidt's been great don't get me wrong but like to Philly's potential power play improvements there like that could be a pretty valuable asset for the jets so well i, th- I think we wait and see on the defenseman side but forwards yeah the, let, let's try to grab somebody there the one i, I don't know how I, i've just seen his name kind of float about and it was mentioned in the article as well and we know chevy does the out of left field moves so there's a part of me that's like Linholm Monahan. Like, why are we even talking about this? Everybody knows they're on the block. So Chevy's like, nah, I'm a hipster. I want somebody that nobody's talking about right now. <laughs> I think my dream guy just, and he was mentioned there. That's why I say this, but it sounds like the team isn't looking to move on from him at the moment, but I wouldn't mind giving up a pretty penny to get Joel Erickson Eck out of Minnesota. Oh, good. I, I don't know if Bill Guerin would be to do it to Winnipeg. Like that's if I'm just I mean, saying, I mean, Chevy, Chevy did the Stasny trade in division before, obviously much different rivalry wise, much different. Erickson X got a lot of term left, which I don't know if minute, right? Like, so I, I don't, I, I would say it's unlikely anyways. I'm just saying dream scenario in terms of realism. With Minnesota languishing at the bottom, just ahead of Chicago in the division standings, that would be pretty sweet. Like he's yeah, a hell I, of a player. I think that one—that's where you got to go first, and probably Colby Barlow. Yeah, like that. That's yeah. That one would cost you a pretty penny. There's that's there's where no you got to jump. Yeah. To, yeah, it's. I and then I don't necessarily hate that trade either. I the like thing, well, yeah, because like you look around, there, there's just—I mean, there's not a lot of bad teams to begin with, but the bad teams don't have centermen to give you. 
outside of Lindholm right now. So the teams that are kind of languishing on the bottom, like there's just not a lot of centermen available at the moment, which is for the Jets, the crappy part in all this in terms of like a higher end guys. So we'll see. I just, I just wanted to throw that out there. And in case things spiral out of control in Minnesota, Shifley, Erickson, Eck down the middle, one-two punch. Uh, it could be pretty juicy, pretty juicy. Let's make it happen, please. Um, but we'll keep an eye on it. I mean, yeah, you never know. Things can change pretty quickly. All it takes is a six-game losing streak for, I mean, any team in a wild-card spot around the bubble, that stuff. And it's curtains on the season for them. And it's, hey, maybe we can get a first-round pick for a guy that might not be a part of our future but can help the Winnipeg Jets out. So we'll see how that goes over the next little bit. But uh, I'm starting the Erickson Eck to Winnipeg campaign. Rivalries be damned. Improve the Jets at whatever cost. Uh, but that's going to do it for the episode here. We'll cap it off there. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. When we return to wrap up the week, well, it's a pretty quiet week of action for the Jets, actually. We'll talk about that game at home against the Islanders on Tuesday. And like Tyson said, bit of a break for the club before they head out east for a brief trek beginning Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, I should say, in Ottawa. And then we'll talk about any other news and notes, maybe a little more deadline talk since the action's a little bit tame for the club over this, this next handful of days. Um, so we'll get to all of that on Friday. And um, yeah, we'll continue to trek on through January as we head close to the All-Star break and some much-deserved rest and relaxation for the Winnipeg Jets. Until then, though, have a great rest of your week. Thanks again to Tyson Rewicki of CJOB for stopping by here. And we'll talk to you guys on Friday morning. Stay safe, stay warm, and have a great week, everybody. Peace.